0: Give it up for our rabbi as she comes to deliver the message and thank God for Cantor Luck and Brother Reverend Sid Smith. Let the church say amen. Good morning, Third Baptist! Good morning, good morning, Emmanuel members, and all other guests who are streaming in from everywhere. You know, I don't have quite that oratorical gift that Reverend Brown has, the words that just seem to flow naturally from God through him. Me, I write. And revise and edit and fret and edit and fret for weeks to get that prayer to come out of my heart and into your ears. Yesterday, when a rabbi and his congregation were held hostage for all of Shabbat, it seemed I might need to rewrite the whole thing. And there is a lot to talk about what happened Yesterday, what's happening, this act of anti-Semitism. But for now, let's just express our deepest gratitude that all the hostages came out alive. And still I need to share with you these words that I wrote over the past few weeks. So here it is. Here's the question that has been on my heart and mind. What does our faith ask of us at this moment in time? What does God want from us? I ask because I believe that whether you are Christian or Jewish or Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist, God wants the same thing. Whatever the color of your skin, God wants the same thing. I believe there is a reason and a purpose that brings us together each year to reflect on Dr. King's legacy, rather than each of us doing this by ourselves in our own house of worship. Reverend Brown came to our house Friday night He taught us triple A, remember? Admit, atone, act. Reverend, how greatly we admire your unwavering commitment to justice. How vital is your work locally, in the state of California and nationally, especially on the work of reparations. Call on us as your partners thank you, thank you, Reverend, for picking up the phone yesterday and calling Jonathan and me as the hostage situation unfolded. It, it meant more than you could know. And seeing you back in your home recovering, we just have one small request from the Jewish people that you live until at least 120. I asked the question, what does our faith Demand of us at this moment in time for a reason. You know, we Jews love to sing "Hine Matov Umanaim Shevet Achim Gam Yachad." How good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to sit together. But why? Why does this coming together virtually matter? Judaism and Christianity teach that we all come from the same source. Before Adam and Eve, there was just Adam, Vayomer Elohim naaseh Adam, tsalmenu. God said, let us make Adam, Adam, in our likeness. In Hebrew, his name is Adam, from the Hebrew word for earth, Adamah. All humans come from a single source, and all humans come from the Adama, from the earth. And given that Monday is Tu Bishvat, the Jewish new year of the trees, this is a timely reminder that Adam, Adama, means from the earth, and that's where we all come from. Why does our faith need us to know that we all spring from a single source? I found one answer in a highly acclaimed novel I read during this pandemic, Girl, Woman, Other, by black British author Bernadine Evaristo. Has anyone else read this Booker Prize treasure? It's it's wonderful. The book is clever because early in the book, a variety of diverse black British women are introduced who seem to have no connection to any other character in the story. Then, as the story unfolds, these seemingly unrelated women start showing up in each other's stories. Now, this is a clever device, a, a typical device in fiction, to interweave the characters in surprising ways. But this book, ends with a twist. One of the women is a teacher in a British school. The reader, anyone who reads this book is repulsed by her racist views and unfair treatment of people she deems to be inferior to herself. For the exact same misbehavior, she gives a poorly behaved white student detention, while she gives a black student suspension leading to expulsion. In other words, she performs the kind of racist behaviors we see everywhere all the time from white people, the kind of behaviors that perpetuate the systemic racism of this time. On the last page of the book, I apologize for the spoiler, but the teacher, who we knew was adopted at birth, finds out toward the end of her life in a DNA test that her biological mother was a black woman we met earlier in the story who was forced to give her newborn up for adoption. The biological father was white. Read the book. The lesson is profound. 22 years ago now, Scientists mapped the entire sequence of our DNA and revealed that humans are 99.9% identical in our genetic makeup. There's a Midrash, an ancient Jewish teaching. They didn't have this science, but the rabbis, reflecting on the Genesis story of the first human, why they ponder, is Adam created alone at first? And the rabbis conclude, and this was done due to the importance of maintaining peace among people so that one person will never say to another, my parent is better than yours. Our faith obligates us to remember that we are all 99.9% the same DNA and to treat each other accordingly. No one of us can say, my lineage is better than yours. Our faith demands that we celebrate that 0.1% distinctions that make our world more colorful, interesting, and diverse. God made us this way. What does our faith demand of us? That we acknowledge the persistence of systemic racism that plays out in our schools, jobs, housing, criminal justice system, among so many places. As Isabel Wilkerson, that great American journalist who wrote *Cast* and the Warmth of Other Suns teaches, America is a beautiful home that we inherited, but there is rot at the foundation of this home. And it must be repaired and reparations must be made. What does God ask of us? That we teach the full and honest history of our country to our children and to ourselves and not shy away from the evils of slavery in the aftermath that affects every one of us right now. God wants this of us. That we work toward reparations that acknowledge the ongoing impact of American slavery to this moment in time. That every person eligible to vote has easy access to voting. That we collectively acknowledge that climate change hurts us all. And that it is we collectively who need to hold gas, oil, and power corporations accountable along with our own personal measures to limit climate change. God needs us to do this before it is too late. What does our faith demand of us? That San Francisco treat as an emergency the shrinking numbers of black brothers and sisters living in this city. Yeah. If we don't address and provide remedies and solutions that keep this city diverse, it's going to get worse. I wrote these words before yesterday. But we ask you, our black brothers and sisters, to be vigilant about a rising anti-Semitism, especially on the internet and how that impacts people who want to marginalize, demonize, and harm Jews right now at this moment in time. Our faith demands this of us. We recalled in our weekly Torah reading yesterday the panic of escaping enslavement with the sea before us and our oppressor bearing down on us. It felt hopeless, like it sometimes does for us at this moment in time, with the problems rising like a sea and the oppressor bearing down on us. With the partnership of Moses and God, with prayer combined with action, we crossed to freedom. In another midrash, freedom could not happen unless the Israelites first showed enough faith to enter into those waters. Nachshon, son of Aminadav, bravely started walking into the waters, and only then did the sea part and everyone crossed together to freedom. What does God ask of us at this moment? God asks us to fill ourselves with hope and with faith. Third Baptist and Emmanuel, we must be brave together. We can do it. In honor of the rabbi's release last night with his congregants. I want to close with these words, Rabbi Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker, the rabbi from Texas who was held hostage. He delivered these words in an invocation he gave at a recent election day. He said, according to our rabbis, the second temple that stood in Jerusalem was destroyed due to sinat chinam, baseless hatred. Baseless hatred. Living in our society today, bearing witness to all we've been through, I've come to understand just how destructive baseless hatred can be. And yet I come here this morning, he said, and I say it to you too, with a word of hope because I know that every religious tradition has some version of the values love your neighbor as yourself and don't hate another In your heart. Fear can be calmed, he wrote. Trust that has been eroded can be restored. Bridges can be built across divides no matter how wide they may seem. We can be a community and such work needs to take place here in this room. On this weekend of remembering the legacy of Dr. King, We commit to the path of love, not hatred. That, that is what our faith demands of us. Amen.